millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Hamlet to review AEW Rampage. What did you make of this week's show, and how much of a difference is this to your Friday nights when not watching SmackDown? I mean, they're vastly different questions, so I'll try and answer the first one first before I just ascend in, uh, like, over praise for if I answer the second one. It was all right, wasn't it? It was, it was all right. I'm not going to do egregious backflips like half the roster would. Like, it's... <laughs> It's, I don't know, I, this could be a subjective take, maybe, maybe it's not. Um, I feel as though still Rampage leaves you feeling full when it comes to AEW, rather Mm -hmm. than hungry for a little bit more as a really great Dynamite, such as this, well, not the episode was great, but certainly the Dynamite main event made you, like, desperate for more AEW content. Couldn't say enough good things about it, and yet we get to Rampage, and it's the the taped vibe, something we talked about in the preview, which is that when nothing has burst forth from the taping reports. Why has no one talked about this, by the way? That main event, but anyway. Really good, but yeah, like, it, it does lower the ceiling and everything, which I guess it did for the main event here. Um, I just, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe maybe there isn't a problem to fix. Maybe AEW have established a nice holding pattern, but our standards are higher with AEW, so maybe sometimes nice doesn't feel enough, and that's why almost nothing on this show warrants criticism and in contrast to sort of build on your second question in contrast to smackdown where there is something every week that you could just you're scratching your head or you're banging off a table yeah it's Depends. the best show of the week but there's still some stuff to critique yeah there's that guy our podcast host hey. number one podcast in the charts for a reason um <laughs> it's smackdown will give you all like it very occasionally gives you the best of WWE, but more often than not gives you the worst too rampage is never that but it's also never the best of AEW. Mm. And I want to feel that sometimes. I want to get what a Dynamite will, even a bad Dynamite will still give you something that is, well, there's n- going to be nothing better about wrestling this week. I want Ron Page to offer that, and I just don't feel like I'm getting it. 
ever, really. And this episode didn't have that. Had a couple of really cool standout moments that I'm looking forward to isolating for significant praise. Uh, but as an hour, I'll just say I'm glad it's an hour. Yes. Roller coaster. There's some great stuff in there for me. And then some other stuff that I thought, ooh, we're going to have to have a chat about this on Monday. Hmm. We'll dive into it when we get there. The show opened uh, immediately with Adam Cole making his entrance uh, to take on Evil Uno. The commentators point out that he lost uh, nine days ago uh, to Orange <laughs> Cassidy, but it doesn't affect his win-loss record because that's how this works. Yep. And a, a bit of me there, as much as I enjoyed the loss at the time, and thought, you know what, that's fine, did feel a little bit desperate. I thought, I, I thought they brought it back with mm-hmm. Cole's promo, but there was a bit of me when I was like, who are you trying to convince here? Me or yourselves? Uh, you can't be the only one. Um, it's I like, I've said it before on other Who's podcasts. in charge here? Me or the devil? <laughs> Double eight. Um, it's, uh, like, I like this, but as I've sort of tried to clarify when I've mentioned this on other podcasts, I do understand the criticism of those yeah. that don't. I think they've established now fairly robustly what, what you're going to get either side of the likes out if the babyface wins. Unfortunately, that doesn't give them what they want. If the heel wins, or if the heel loses, that means that they can use it as an excuse. It's cute, but this is the reason why you can't do the lights out match very often, because the more you do it, the more you, like, and I'm saying, I'm not just saying the general, I mean you, Adam Wilborn, might slightly feel like you're starting to have the piss taken out of you. Yeah, um, but I did like the way they booked this match, in that it wasn't a long match, and Adam Cole just got out, got out all of his frustrations, effectively, on poor Evil Uno. Uh, Cole starts off with a pump kick, just starts battering him all over the place. Uno did get some shine, he fought back, he uh, hit a hanging neck breaker. He hit a clothesline. He was stomping on Adam Cole in the corner, finally getting a bit of his own back. Uh, but as he goes for a sent on, uh, Cole gets his knees up. High knee from him. Super kick. Uh, two super kicks, in fact. And then uh, he lowers the boom to get the one, two, three in like two and a half minutes. I'll get your thoughts on the match as well as his promo because he immediately grabbed a mic uh, and mentioned Frankie Kazarian, Jungle Boy, Anthony Green, John Silver, Wheeler Ewer, Orange Cassidy, Jake Atlas, Trent Beretta, and now Evil Uno. What do all these men have in common? They are all involved in my undefeated singles run in AEW. I don't give a damn about what happened last week. He says, um, I am the new Adam Cole, a more ruthless Adam Cole. I'm going to take what I want. I'm one of the best pro wrestlers, not just in AEW, but on the planet. I've traveled the globe for years, won championships after championships for years. Uh, at the end of the day, I'll always, I always become the guy no matter the brand promotion or show uh, and something else he wants. He is going, he promises to become AEW world champion. I loved all of this, and I loved all of it so much that I know I'm destined to forget explaining one of the reasons why, because there was just so many. I loved how short this match was. Um, First of all, because I was thinking about after Punk and MJF. Like, it's not necessarily anybody's job to think about this, but it's just, I guess literally it is ours sometimes, but (laughs) I I like to think about this. From a production standpoint, it was going to be incredibly hard to follow CM Punk versus MJF. If you imagine being in the building, having just watched... 47 minutes? Something like that, yeah. A 47-minute experience, certainly. A real emotional ride as well. To then have to suddenly, right, while they change the banners, calm yourself down to build yourself back up for a match. That was going to be a struggle, and I thought to myself, Rampage is going to struggle as a result of this. How does anything follow it? Well, two and a half minutes featuring an entrance that you can pop for is the perfect way to follow it. So they absolutely... I like to cleanse it. Absolutely. In terms of like construction, constructing this as a live experience, which then has to translate to television... Absolutely nailed it. And not just from a production standpoint. 
a criticism that we've levied at AW quite a bit lately is stop showing us the graphic where it's obvious exactly who's going to win, winner versus start, and then making them go 10 minutes to create that idea that it's not. Like, if you're going to show me a graphic where I absolutely 100% know who's going over, give me a match that shows that as well, which is what this did. I like Evil Uno, but it would have been a little bit condescending to me as a viewer, I think, to have watched this go nine minutes and get a bit back and forthy when we know that Cole's gone over with the boom. So I'm glad they kind of instead used the time, not only again for the um, from a production standpoint to the crowd, but in terms of as a television viewer to get to the point of his, of his promo as well, which again, I, I worry that I'll miss out what I loved about this. So number one, content delivery was just excellent. Adam mm-hmm. Cole is a top guy and there's been a lot of criticisms about apparently him being used a little bit too comedically or that there's a bit too much fluff and nonsense around his run because he's been, you know, dressing up as a Ghostbuster, having fun with the unboxing. So I don't agree with that criticism, but it's out there. And a lot of people, you know, have gravitated towards this this belief that uh, AW maybe not using him as an inbuilt star like NXT did. That's up for debate. I didn't think that was an issue, but this promo directed, like, was that was to them, wasn't it? A yeah. lot of the content in this oh, promo yeah. was a head-on addressing of that complaint. So you would like to think that if that complaint has been made in good faith, it will have been satiated. Yes. If it's been made bad faith, you can piss off. But the people <laughs> that genuinely felt it, hopefully they've heard this and they've heard it loud and clear. Number two, another complaint that has been levied at AEW is the idea that uh, you've had it a lot, particularly with the tag team titles recently, but we've had it with various title matches in the past. People come on TV and tell you they're the number one contenders, and you go, how's that then? And it's because Excalibur tells you they've got an 18-0 record because of these uh, dark and dark elevation matches you've never seen. Not Adam Cole. He lists off these names of wrestlers that he's beaten. So even if you've not watched the matches, you're like... Well, fair enough. Yeah. That's a laundry list of wrestlers. But they are matches you have watched because almost all of them have taken place on Dynamite or Rampage. So not only is he giving you the reason why he's a number one contender, it feels completely different to, for example, Private Party saying, we're the number one contenders. <laughs> yeah. I know records have reset, but Cole is working around that. He's saying this has nothing to do with records being reset. Look at what I've done since I've been here. So that is to, that's not just to the people who think he's not been getting on with business. It's to people like us who think... Where's that record come from? Mm. So I love that too. Number three, the um, diluting of the Orange Cassidy victory was done in the most passive-aggressive of ways that hypothetically, should Adam Cole defeat Hangman Page, Orange Cassidy is going to be back in the conversation for a title shot. Like, I don't think Adam Cole versus Orange Cassidy resonated as much as it should have done. That was a more exciting thing to talk about before it happened than actually after the fact, in my opinion. But in the hypothetical scenario that Adam Cole becomes AEW World Champion... Colin Cassidy is right back there as a premium, I was going to say premium live event there, but a, a premium <laughs> concern for a dynamite title shot off something like that. I just think this was so economical in terms of its use of Adam yeah. Cole. We know that Paige is beating uh, Lance Archer on dynamite. So why not as good as foreshadow it with a promo of this standard? Couldn't have faulted everything in the way that Adam Cole was presented here. I think some of it was a pushback to criticism. I think some of it was just because you've got Adam Cole and there isn't much he can't do. Mm. So just use every aspect of him over, like I say, eight or nine hugely economical minutes. There was a lot of love for a match on this show for reasons that we will get to. But in terms of top guys doing top guy stuff, this was it for me. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. It sort of potentially lays the path out for an attack following the Texas Deathmatch, him talking about how ruthless yep. it's going to be. Uh, and as much as he can insist he's the number one contender, if you batter someone, 
uh, the, the stats back it up anyway, but also you've got the, the the animosity there as well, and he's just murdered one of his... Like we said, we don't need to run through all of the Dark Order. That's been done. But yeah, kick the crap out of one of his best mates and then attack him within the space of five days. The best the best is always both. The best is always both. Also, In- I really like this, because I for a split second thought he was calling out Frankie Kazarian. He grabs the mic and says, Frankie Kazarian. I was like, what's happening? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> we don't need to go back and revisit any of the Elite Hunter stuff. No, it's the best is always both. Um... Brian and Paige showed us that, yes, you can start with a title match. Like, they could have fought on night one. Hangman just could have got his gear and all that sort of thing. But Brian made it personal with the Dark Order stuff, and then you've got an angle as well as a title match. The attack, as you've pitched there, this is Ric Flair and Randy Savage being announced for WrestleMania, and then Ric Flair saying, by the way, I shagged your wife before you. Like, you didn't have to do that. <laughs> like, the title match was already booked. But he just thought, I sod it, I'll go to my back pocket and see if I can undermine him before the match. Adam Cole decking Hangman Page after he's won, theoretically grueling Texas death match is one thing. But as you say, when the stats are there to back it up, Page has got both a, well, a justifiable reason to want to attack him as well as the forced reason to defend his title against him. Plus, Imagine how good that hair's going to look of Hangman Pages if it's covered in blood already, and then they hit the... It's called the high-low. I never know what it's called. Uh, oh, Red Dragon, yeah, yeah. It used to be Total Elimination by the Eliminators. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, oh, yes. Anyway, we'll save that for the Dynamite yeah. preview later on this week. Uh, we got a nice little vignette uh, from Jade Cargill talking about becoming 27-0. and 0. People say she's green, right? She's green like money. Amazing. Really great. Uh, and then we got a TNT, the first of two uh, t- championship matches, the TNT championship match. Isaiah Cassidy, inexplicably the number one contender, uh, <laughs> versus Sammy Guevara. Had quite a few issues with this. Not necessarily the match, just everything that happened around it. Question number one, why has he got two belts? Why has he got two belts, Michael Hamlet? I know how annoyed you are by this, to the point where when you said the first of two titles, I just thought you were going to say, first two titles, both of which were on Sammy Guevara's waist, and I don't know why. Why has he got two t- Why? I get it. He was interim champion, right? Fair enough. And on the night he wins the TNT Championship, absolutely have both of them on his shoulder. What, what, what's the point of this? I don't. I, I've got really hung up on this watching it. I literally got angry before the match started. I was like, "Why is he wearing two? You're not Conor McGregor. You're not Becky Lynch. You've just got a title and a placeholder, effectively." One is effectively a replica belt. It's like at this still point, walking isn't it? around with the Money in the Bank briefcase after you've won the world title. Yeah, what are you doing? It's a prop rather than it. It just also made the visual weird where, where Darby Allen was like, hey, I won these two titles. No, you don't. You want one of them. Is it because it just looks good? But it's bollocks. <laughs> it's bollocks. Here we go. And like... old AEW do a better standard than that. Is this the first time we're going to get broken on Wilborn on something related no, to AEW? No, I'm not getting that wound up. But stop wearing both belts. <laughs> you don't need to wear both belts. I'm, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> like, I don't know what else I can compare it to. Like... In UFC, where they do have interim titles, the yeah. only pass that I gave AEW for that, for the one week that Cody mm-hmm. couldn't wrestle or whatever, but they don't go, well, there you go, one round your waist, one over your shoulder, they go, you were interim. Yeah, champion. the second one is very much not a prize, is it? No, the yeah. one point is interim, which means you're next in line when the champion comes back, and then you fight, and I get having both titles up there, because one of them's gone over, you know, like... It's a mimic into the Razor Ramon thing, no, it's a nice visual. The, 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 I've got a title, yep. well, that's not the real title, this is the real title. Stop wearing the second one. Like, what are you doing? Uh, sorry, I don't know why that... <laughs> I really love it. I love up. this. I love this because my gut feeling is that this is going nowhere. And I think you're, like, going to get more Tuvara, and more amped up with this. furious every week. Sammy Tuvara. Like, oh, God. Anyway, um, but the match was great because it's Isaiah Cassidy and Sammy Guevara working hmm. together. Uh, Guevara's ribs were taped, still selling the effects of the, uh, the ladder match that went down... Uh, uh, 
uh, nine days uh, ago. <laughs> um, and it didn't really stop him early on. He hit a tope suicider over the ropes onto Isaiah Cassidy and then kipped up. So not that hurting, those ribs. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we come back to the ring. Uh, Guevara dodges a charge from Cassidy, hits a Gamanguri, uh, but then Mark Quinn takes the referee and Hardy hits Guevara with a side effect on the ring apron. And I thought, oh, here we bloody go. Uh, we come back. Nair history, I'm amazed that I like, didn't give him a neck injury or something like that. <laughs> we, uh, we come back from the break and Guevara's fighting back after being beaten down throughout it. Escapes a back suplex. Hits Cassidy with clotheslines and a ripcord knee strike. Goes for the GTH, but his ribs give out, so he can't hold him up there. Uh, Cassidy recognizes this and attacks. Drives an elbow into the ribs. Uh, Guevara fights back. Super kick goes up top. But then, all of a sudden, Andrade's music plays. This distracts Sammy. I can already see your face and can't wait to got to say about this. That allows Cassidy to catch him with a sling blade, backbreaker, backstabber, nice near fall, although I knew he wasn't losing the title. Um, Guevara rolls to the ring apron. Uh, he, he tried to springboard back into the ring, but Cassidy catches him uh, with a cutter. Tope suicida onto the floor uh, and a senton atomico back in the ring for another near fall. Andrade and Jose are there encouraging Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, Guevara, though, tries to steal one with a backslide. He hits an Inseguri on Cassidy, takes out Mark Quinn with a huge moonsault to the floor, and then hits the double jump springboard cutter on Cassidy. And just to, to finish the whole thing off, gets him up, oh, powers him up. GTH, one, two, three. I'll get your thoughts on it because I want to talk as well about the other bit post match that also really wound me up. Yeah, right. Just just lift the bollocks out of this for a second, because we'll get to the bollocks, right? But this, I think, this match crystallises an issue. I, I don't review Rampage with you most weeks. We fart about talking <laughs> about WWE. But this, I think, crystallised my feelings on Rampage in general. This was empty calorie wrestling. And I guess I mean that literally to look at these two men. They've never seen a calorie in their goddamn <laughs> life. Their bodies are amazing. But this was empty calorie wrestling to a fault in the remember when remember when XT was still good, right? And not the good that we not the good that we appreciate through the your sound effects and <laughs> our games and our silly voices, but when it was good. But that was becoming a problem. Yes. So what is good anymore? Like goods every week, goods this it's repetitive, it's over and over again. Nothing means anything. I don't need fifteen minutes that I need five because I need something to be good creatively rather than just good good by committee, which yes, is what NXT was becoming. This was cool wrestling by committee. You highlighted it in your recap. Like, don't don't not sell those ribs. Otherwise, you're not selling the ribs. I know that sounds really obvious. Tape isn't enough if you're going to do kip-ups. If you're going to resort to the move that you theoretically can't do and do it anyway. They're going to do it anyway, <laughs> right? You've got, you've proven that you've got loads of ways to beat these guys. And AEW is really cool at establishing different ways to beat wrestlers because that creates more suspenseful kickouts in yeah. big matches, right? That's that's what's awesome about wrestlers having multiple finishes or beating wrestlers with your signature, not always your finisher. Yes. Use that, right? And I, like if Sammy Guevara, uh, as a babyface, is wanting to show guts and guile and determination, I would understand that had he not done a kip-up to suggest, well, the ribs are fine. <laughs> like, there's way too much that's not joined up, but it just kind of looks cool on the screen, and it's how much you're going to really be receptive to the, the cool stuff. Uh, and that's maybe why I was. I'm, I sometimes feel a bit overstuffed with Rampage by the end of my AW viewing week, and I, I did here. Um, it was nice to see Cassidy in uh, Private Party. Don't have any more these particularly well 
very literally in the case, I was going to say memorable, but then you made the point that like, I'm, I don't remember seeing these guys wrestling that year and now no. they're more contenders. But Private Party, even if they were around, you wouldn't necessarily feel like they were involved in anything memorable. I really enjoyed seeing Isaiah Cassidy in a singles match. And I wonder if, I'm not suggesting necessarily splitting Private Party permanently, but I wonder if there was a bit of an FTR thing. Remember when they felt like they had a bit of stink on them and then you were seeing them in like breakout singles stuff yeah. and you were just a bit of a break from the team to see them being their best selves in sing- singles action and they come back together again and you kind of love them a bit more. You feel like you're emotionally invested and Cassidy is going to be in their... Uh, face the revolution qualifier and so maybe that's a tactic which I you know that, again that's only speculation on my part but I, I quite like that I, I like flashes of what I got here but felt nothing for them doing very flashy stuff and that's the worst kind of reaction to flashy stuff so mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of good to say about this the bollocks the bollocks is a bad habit that needs to go away pronto the bollocks for those that don't listen to us regularly, by which I mean pretty much everything involved in Matt Hardy, always. That's always <laughs> the bollocks on an AEW show. It's nonsense, it's fluff, it's an accessory to the actual pro wrestling. Um, Andrade has been wrapped up in that. He is starting to feel like a figure of fun rather than somebody to get serious, rather than somebody to get... Is that what it is? Is that who Andrade is? Have they looked at Andrade and thought... Have they looked at those some of those performances that were a little bloated, a little gassy, and thought... He's not what we thought we were getting. We can't put him in the main events, so instead we'll put him in with the comedic fools because that's what I felt like I was getting here. And it occurred to me that we we kind of talk about Andrade with a bit of an NXT point NXT two point glare, don't we? It's mm. not like we're not going. Oh man, I cannot wait to see uh, Andrade get serious and um, hook it up with CM Punk. We say. I wish to buy that boy <laughs> and put on a funny voice about his motivations or whatever. And I, like this was, you bring him out in music to do a wacky distraction and then there's f- bollocks on the outside and it's leading to bollocks. And what you're going to review might get us to something that felt very unbollocks in a moment. Oh, yeah. But what's the end game with any of this? That's actually, let's, yeah, let's do that bit because I kind of, there's very, there's two very distinct directions for a wrestler here and we need to kind of unpack what direction they're going to go in. So yeah, post match, uh, Sammy's got the win, and then Andrade and Matt Hardy. It looks like they're going to organise the, themselves and the entire of the uh, AHFO to uh, attack Sammy Guevara, which makes Chris Jericho, leader of the Inner Circle, best friend of Sammy Guevara, stand up. Who is sick of the lack of unity in the Inner Circle to the point where he's had a team meeting booked for next Wednesday. Just stood up, didn't do anything. <laughs> didn't even take his fucking headset off. Just stood up and went. They better not. Well, there's five of them, Chris. <laughs> probably are. Probably going to do something. Jose's probably going to hit him with something. If only you were in a stable and knew how stables acted, Chris. And then Darby Allen runs out to make the save. That was nice. And, you know, there's a little moment with Andrade and Jose. Mm-hmm. And, and Darby, of course, they still wanted to sign the little boy. <laughs> um, and then there's a wonderful moment where ev- I forgive everything that's preceded it because we get a stare down between Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara. Darby Allen wants his TNT championship back, effectively. Which one? Why are there two belts on his shoulders? Right. So, yeah. That's, this is this is kind of what I'm talking about with the bollocks. Was this the moment that, you know, like every week we say, I the Andrade stuff's rubbish, but like, isn't Andrade, Darby Allen at the paper going to be really, really cool? Is this the week? Was this the episode or was this the moment that they relegated... Darby Allen and Andrade, or more specifically Andrade, to the setup guy role, to the funny guy yeah, role. Yeah, maybe. To put this on the pay-per-view instead. By this, I mean the Allen 
Sammy Guevara rematch. They fought at Revolution. So they, they referenced it. Revolution 2020 in the same building that this rampage took place in, I think. Uh-huh. Is that right? And um, it, back then it was like uh, very early four pillar stuff. Some people on some podcasts were referring to them as pillars, but it wasn't being used. It wasn't canonized on <laughs> AW television by them. Um, so that felt at the time like you're watching the foundation of AW's future happening, and now we're getting to see fruits of that labor in the form of these two people that are almost they're not bigger yet than the TNT title, but they feel like this is very much part of a journey rather than their eventual destination. Mm. This TNT title, but certainly with Andrade very literally moved to the floor while these two men can have this face off. Was this the marginalization of Andrade into the Matt Hardy orbit permanently rather than the, you know, get excited for Andrade and Darby Allen's ripper? Mm. Is that not going to be set up for the stuff? Now, I watch yeah. this. Maybe Dave Meltzer will give that match five stars and we can work out who he won't give five stars to for some fucking reason. I Why would he give MJF five stars? Look, Dave Meltzer is a hugely important figure in my life as a wrestling fan. And I I think this is going to sound patronizing and old manny from the 36-year-old podcaster. I think some people are genuinely too young to understand what it is Dave Meltzer gave to this community of ours, which is pretty much everything. Every word I'm saying, our entire lexicon, our entire semantic field was given to us by Dave Meltzer. And that man deserves our respect for mostly a lifetime. But, Dave, mm-hmm. War Games 2021 was not better than CM Punk versus MJF, Dave. It, uh, it just wasn't. A litany of four and threes, four and a halves were not better than CM Punk, MJF, Dave. You got this one wrong, mate. I look forward to your next Observer to see all the news, all your reviews, all your thoughts, as I will, forever and ever and ever and ever. But you got that one wrong. I still can't remember the Derby Allen MJF one. Literally the best match on full gear. What did he go for that? Four and a half. Yeah. One load of bollocks. That was better than more games too. Yeah, I just... Derby Allen and... I'll say, I'm not a Derby Allen guy, right? But I'll say this for Derby Allen... I don't think Sammy Guevara is excelling in this role. And the second Darby Allen was in the ring with him, he felt like a bigger deal. So you, that's how wrestling works, isn't it? Yeah. You can't fake that. So whether or not he's for me is really irrelevant. Darby Allen's a made man. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning 
positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. We got a promo from QT Marshall, uh, ran down hook, and what he, you know, people getting... Get, thinking wrong things about him. He's not the good guy that you think. He's not this this hero of, of wrestling fans. He's a little sneak, a little cheat, a little git, basically. But he's got a new student to face Hook that we've never seen before. That match is set for next week. And then we got an interview backstage. Uh-oh. Wonder what's going to happen here. Chris Statlander chatting with, chatting with Tony Schiavone. Barely gets any words out when in comes uh, Layla Hirsch. And God bless the United States to uh, twat Chris Statlander from behind with a steel chair. And I thought, oh, bloody hell. And then she did that thing where she sort of threw the chair at Chris Statlander. Chris Statlander sort of caught it, or it was just lent against the head, and she just nailed her with a (laughs) kick. And I thought, hey, 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 you all right. (laughs) And then Red Velvet comes in to chase her off. Like, uh, backstage nonsense that we've hated on, whether it's WWE or AW for a long time. But... Layla Hirsch's intensity, let's say, won me over on this one. Yeah, it's a classic um, Alan Partridge AEW segment, this. The interruption is a negative, so right now we need two positives. But then you get them, because the beatdown's really good, and then it's also really funny. So they kind of, by the end of it, you're completely one round, and you're back on that positive footing that you are with AEW that knows how to do this, even if sometimes they can't resist the bad habits. Decent segment. I'm nearly over the feud and ready to see what Layla Hirsch has got next. So don't saga this and drag it out oh any, longer, God, no. any longer than it needs to be. If you want to have a, a like a street fight or whatever it is, wherever this is going in terms of a more violent payoff, we'll have it. But like, let's start spreading everybody's wings a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, we then got Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa. Skip. Huh? Oh, sorry. I got confused. What? I just thought there was no point in reviewing this because it mm. went to a DQ in AEW. Ooh. We'll do a recap, then we'll have a chat. Okay. Then we'll have a chat. Uh, Thunder Rosa, obviously very angry at Mercedes Martinez for everything that's gone on between those two. Comes out of the blocks, shotgun dropkick, dominates early on. She's just battering Mercedes Mm. Martinez at the beginning. Uh, Martinez made a fight back, though, uh, hit a spine buster. Uh, We go to a break, and when we come back, Martinez is still in control. Death Valley driver from the middle rope for a near fall. Uh, She attempts a crucifix powerbomb out of the corner, but Rosa slips out of it. And uh, nails her with something I don't can't remember the name of now. Uh, to try and escape, Mercedes Martinez wisely rolls out to the floor. Uh, Thunder Rosa goes after her, bounces her head off the steps, and she collapses next to the steps, reaches underneath the ring, pulls out in pipe, <laughs> and uh, nails Thunder Rosa in the face with it for a disqualification. Hmm. Right. Obviously, I'm going to split up. We know why, but I'm going to split up some of this analysis with a segment later to come. Yes. I don't want to incur the wrath of uh, Kenny Olivier, so I don't want any of my words to be isolated for his, let's be honest, sometimes piss-funny Twitter account. But um, this DQ would would be fine and was more fine 
as this show progressed, mm. if only because the action was precision engineered um, to be as explosive as it was before the finish, if that makes sense. This was an absolute ripper. The time they had, mm -hmm. they were absolutely battering each other. Everything was um, like everything was full of danger. Everything was full of piss and vinegar. Proper rivalry stuff. That was really well agented. You didn't want to believe for a second that these had been backstage just waiting to have a friendly mm -hmm. lockup. They wanted to fight. We talked about how the brawl in the running was like the best bit of the <laughs> TBS Championship <laughs> match because it was just so believable. As it was here within the confines of the wrestling match before Mercedes Martinez took it away with a disqualification. That attack will obviously, I'm going to praise it more when we get to the segment later on. But I will say this about disqualifications to acknowledge your point about a DQ. A DQ. And for the Olivier's of this world, um, or anybody else out there that might be fiending for follows. The, <laughs> the thing about this DQ, I, I will try and be balanced here. What follows later vindicates it. The nature of it, she had that pipe there all along. Her goal was to nobble Thunder Rosa with this pipe. And we're going to find out why that is. The nature of it off the back of an absolute ripper of a match when she's like, wow, we are kicking the out of each other here. I'm, I might need to pipe her in the head. Right there. <laughs> um, contextually, okay. The criticism is valid based on how close this was to the CM Punk one. AW absolutely... Once in a while, should use a disqualification for a narrative device because they've earned it. They massively, two and a half years this promotion's been around, and we've had, what, like four now? The fact that we can't even keep count is amazing. Three, four? It, yeah. Hardly, hardly a handful, like literal handful at best. Um, that's a real credit to them. This is probably too close to the CM Punk one. I think it's, it's, a, fair. it's It's a little bit too close. If you, if you want to keep that prestigious, if you want to keep that meaning something, you do another one in a year's time. And then we all say, oh, the same point one was like a year ago. More than within the rights, you know. Now, you've got to go a year. You've, you've got to go. Yeah, <laughs> you've, got to put, you've got to put that one back in the old lockbox. I'm not saying you need to shine Shane McMahon to get the key for it. But you've got to put it back in the lockbox and keep it there and not bust it back out. Because this was absolutely too cheeky until it kind of half wasn't later on. Yeah, I mean, I was being very hyperbolic, of course. Saying well, loads of people will have, people it will have hackled now, people. Yeah. yeah, like have the floodgates open. I don't think they have. No. I'm not anticipating seeing any more. Before revolution. Hold me to this. Hold me to this. One in six months, and we can have a we can have a word. Okay. Like if this is one within six months, we'll 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 have there's to. There's another DQ before my birthday, basically. Yes. If there's another DQ before your birthday, we have to do a roundtable entitled "Is AW Dead?" <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> All I'm saying, SmackDown was a better show because there's no DQs. So you know, I'm just asking questions here. I mean, there was a count out. <laughs> and actually, now I think about it, there was a match that went two minutes and then they just made the match into a and tag match and that went two minutes. And Roman's theme goes 40, so there carry the one. eight minutes on that show before anything happened. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, so carry the two. And uh, uh, the Naomi Sonya Deville thing's still going. Uh, Cesaro. Well, she, Naomi gave a... Sorry, Sonya Deville gave Naomi a title match. And she didn't even ask for one. When every time she asked for a title match, she gave her what she didn't want. Um, we're getting Drew McIntyre and Madcap Moss at the pay-per-view, which we literally had two pay-per-views ago. Drew McIntyre's WrestleMania moment's probably going to be Baron Corbin. Uh, call it a draw. <laughs> uh, promo package for Serena Deeb. I bet you love that. Yeah, really great. Um, she's nails. That one, that like scream that Serena Deeb does because she's angry at other wrestlers not being as good as her at wrestling. 
is why I watch wrestling. <laughs> uh, and then we got actually the interview with Mercedes Martinez, uh, who's getting asked, why did you try and kill Thunder Rose with a lead pipe? <laughs> when in comes Britt Baker and her friends. Mm. Oh, gone back to them, have you now, Britt? <laughs> I see. There they are. Rebel Reba. Needed it though, didn't we? Jamie Hayes. It, it was getting a bit it's getting a bit nervy. She's not gonna mention it, are you? Just like two two, three weeks of them being gone. Yeah. It's getting a bit nervy that. It was nice to see them all back together. And then it's sort of explained that whilst Cargill was kind of on board with Mercedes Martinez attacking Thunder Rosa in their title uh, knockout eliminator match thing, the person who signed the check was one Britt Baker DMD. Don't have to tell you want to do that whilst he's just admitted to uh, Harry Hill. <laughs> you know I'd say. But he's still. just a mate. So, like, we talk about this. Aren't you, mate? You've just made. <laughs> I just paid off someone to uh, to kill one of my opponents. Yeah, but that money was made by doing some good dentistry. Yeah. Thank you, Britt. Um, Jamie Hayter can't believe all this. Um, why have you done that, she says. And Britt Baker says, well, you haven't really been getting the job done recently. And I thought, hello. Mm-hmm. Um, Baker isn't happy that Martinez has just lost that match. Um, and she says, look, don't lose to her again. Otherwise, your time in AW will be shorter than the time of your last job. Don't make me sad. Yeah. I remember that. I, like, I got excited seeing her back in a wrestling ring. It's the first time I've seen her properly. Um, so, yeah, obviously she fires up for that. And we get a match I didn't know I wanted until I saw it. Sadie's Martinez squaring up with Jamie Hayter, but thankfully they stay amicable. Yeah, so I love this, right? We, uh, we try and be discerning on this podcast when we're not being complete rodeo clowns. <laughs> and uh, I'd like to think our listeners are the same. The wry eye that you might have cast upon this at the very beginning, I think was justified because I think this feels more like um, a, a change in direction rather than a direction all along. You could yeah. feel that a bit, couldn't you? A pivot would be the kind yes. way of putting it. They've looked at the, the bigger picture and they thought, should we just tweak that slightly? But that's okay because I think the tweak is absolutely inspired. Let's break this down. So let's now pretend in kayfabe like that everything has happened as it's meant to and that in fact... Uh, Mercedes Martinez was never an associate of Jade Cargill and Smart Mark Sterling, but was Britt Baker's paid assassin who was there for her on night one, right? Um, that implies that Britt Baker wants absolutely none of Jade Cargill and would quite like her to win the TBS title, thank you very much. So that's a pretty cool character choice, isn't yeah. it? As champion, she thinks, well, if she's got that belt, she's out of my business. So brilliant. Like if you all this is headcanon, by the way, everything I'm about to say is complete headcanon, and it's whether or not you choose to apply this, knowing exactly, yeah. knowing what we can maybe assume that there's been a couple of little twists and turns before we've arrived at this very neat tying together of some loose ends. Britt Baker doesn't want any of Jade Cargill. There's match number one, eventually. Britt Baker versus Jade Cargill. Okay. Number two is Britt Baker um kind of being a bit of an arsehole to Mercedes Martinez, potentially not getting the job done. The idea that um Martinez justifiably believe that taking out Thunder Rosa would be enough mm-hmm. with the pipe, suddenly indicates the disqualification, doesn't it? Mercedes Martinez is there to earn her money, not as a wrestler, not worried about rankings, but as a hit woman, about getting paid. Yeah, she went into the match, if you want to justify it, went into the match thinking, I'll kick her head in, then hit her with a pipe afterwards, yeah. and then gone, oh, bloody hell, she's a bit much here. I'm not here to win, I'm here to get paid. So why don't I try and like separate a shoulder with a pipe instead of getting the one, two, three? Yeah. So that... Again, if the same punk thing never exists, or this was a year after the punk one, that DQ is pretty cool yes. within the confines of this specific reveal, right? So, and again, it's really important to do it on the same show. If we had five or six days to simmer over that DQ, 
bigger problems. They've done it two segments yep, later, yep. so smart as well. So straight away, you've got Britt Baker versus Mercedes Martinez. As, as tension grows between the two that she's... Look, Thunder Rose is probably going to beat her in the rematch, isn't she? So she's not going to get the job done. So Britt Baker's going to be none too pleased. So potentially you've got Mercedes Martinez babyface turn and Britt Baker being absolutely scared of what Martinez is going to do to her because at the first opportunity, she's negged her about what happened in yep. her last job. Britt Baker versus Martinez, match number two. In the meantime, um, Jamie Hater feeling somewhat resentful of Britt Baker all of a sudden. You've pointed this out before. It's perhaps not the best move to be doing the Wardlow thing at the same time. So you've got a kind of backburner one. They've backburnered Jamie Hater and Britt Baker, but they've never ignored it. Mm-hmm. So that was your tease of that match number three, Baker versus Jamie Hater. Match number four, Britt Baker stirring up a little bit of grief between Martinez and Jamie Hater. So maybe them two can have a match <laughs> because like, who's going to do the better job for Britt Baker? Four matches already, right? Before you've got to match number five, the biggest one, the one that matters the most, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa because she's fought her in a street fight. She's lost. She's been petrified for a year and now she's doing everything she can to try and keep the wall from here from the door. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is absolute right. five matches there, right? Absolutely fantastic booking of something that doesn't even feel like it was the original idea. You cannot not love that. And the fact that it was all delivered really well and that every character feels like loyal to themselves and mm-hmm. true to themselves. Like an absolutely tremendous minute and a half of pro wrestling television. Brilliant. Well. Well, looks like we've had enough time. It's time for the main event. Honestly, man, that sound needs to come with its own backing of boo, 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 <laughs> boo, 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 boo. Boo, 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 boo. Because that's our version of knowing how can we get like an extra 20 seconds out just in case we need to roll through to get that advert midway through. Well, play the uh, Mark Henry button. Uh, people people might as well press the times 15 seconds thing in the podcast app when they hear Mark Henry flash up because they know that when they press it once, he's still going to be talking. <laughs> yeah, we had a back and forth between Jay Lethal and FDW champion Ricky Starks before their title match, which was simply excellent in the main event. Um, Starts off with uh, Lethal sending Starks into the ring barricade after a big dive to the outside. Uh, he hits it a second time, and then Powerhouse Hobbs, who's there at ringside holding the title for Starks, gets out of his chair, gets in Jay Lethal's face. Um, Lethal tries to concentrate on the match, goes to send Starks into the ring post, but Starks brilliantly sort of dived, slid under the ropes, through the ring sort of thing, swings around the ring post and hits Lethal with a clothesline in a uh, brilliant spot. Starks then's missed a splash in the corner, though. Uh, lethal uh, goes for some pin attempts off roll-ups and cradles. Uh, and then Starks hit a huge sit-out powerbomb for a great near fall. Uh, they exchange strikes. Lethal hits Starks with a pump kick and an enziguri. Um Hobbs recognizes, oh, he's in trouble. Jumps up on the apron, but he got knocked down to the floor with a drop kick. Lethal then tries a tope on Hobbs on the floor. Just moves out of the way. Great. Love that. Love that spot. It's the old Samoa Joe. Nope. Isn't it? Yeah. Right, really good. Uh, but then out of nowhere, uh, Dante Martin runs in from the crowd and uh, springboard crossbodies out of the ring onto Hobbs onto the outside to even the odds, let's say. Uh, we get back into the ring. Lethal hits a twisting cutter, goes for the lethal injection, but Starks avoids it. He uh, sets up the J Driller, uh, but Lethal then counters that into a jackknife cover. And then what a finish this was. Lethal goes for his lethal injection, but when he bounces out off the ropes and jumps, Starks snatches him out of the air, drops him with the Rochambeau, and gets the one, two, 
three. This has been shared all over social media. Understandably, Hamlet, a, a jaw-dropping finish to this title match. Oh, God, yeah. The, um, the finisher-counter deal in general, it's why people of the RKO so much, right? When you're doing, somebody's doing a move directly into the finisher, often it only takes one second of detachment between the move they're doing to the finisher you're trying to apply and it doesn't hit quite as sweet. Mm. You know, like, if you think about Evan Bourne um, landing in the RKO, he lands in it. There's not a moment where he scuffs onto his feet and then gets RKO'd. Yeah. It has to be in the RKO, otherwise like, the whole idea is dead. Same applies here. If that catch is a catch, and then he has to take two steps forward and then land the Rochambeau, it's, it's, not, it's an amazing like, feat of athleticism, but it's not quite what we saw on Friday, which is just this gorgeous, slick, counter into a finisher all in one utterly sublime execution of a really brilliant idea as well a brilliant and brave idea because the margin for error is pretty slim yeah. i would say um and like really really good that it happened because all too often especially on i would say maybe like what is now what we're now kind of accepting as aw's b show and at a time of the week that doesn't always suit everybody based on based on the ratings and based on the yeah. en- engagement in rampage compared to dynamite it's the sort of thing that would have been good to great that might have been missed but it was a finish so excellent that I dare say it convinced a few people to go back and watch the whole match yes. and they would have been glad they did because look I'm going to talk about it till I'm blue in the face when I remember and I don't always the ick factor with Jay Lethal as it is with Darby Allen, as it is with others it's always going to be there but the problem with wrestling is, is that it, they just make you forget Jay and Lethal is a phenomenally challenging this was individual. so good you know this was so so good um Lethal for years was the guy. TNA made such a like success story of him as a as a bit of a novelty act, but he hid his amazing ability behind that macho man impersonation. <laughs> and then he goes to Ring of Honor and he'd be kind of like he'd been in Ring of Honor before, but he becomes the complete version of himself as a seasoned pro and he wins like you know the two titles simultaneously and he's just got these incredible long runs. And the whole point of doing that in Ring of Honor is that you've got to have just enough of everything in-ring to be able to justify it over and over again, a series of matches that fool people and that, that almost hide what you can do. And I thought he did that really well for Ricky Starks here. Starks has been, I don't want to say he's been short of a match like this, but we've gone a long time praising Ricky Starks. And due to his injuries and perhaps due to timing sometimes, there's just not been enough wow from That's Ricky fair, Starks. Yeah. This was that and then some, and you have to credit Jay Lethal with so much as that as well. Somebody's got to be a base for him. Somebody's going to be, got to be the glue a little bit at times when someone's as young as Ricky Starks. I thought there was just so much fluidity between these two that never once felt like they weren't in competition with one another. It never, just because it was beautiful at points, just because it was jaw-dropping at points, it never felt cooperative. Mm. And I think I was starting to feel that a little bit with... The, the Starks highlight reel stuff was feeling a little bit on their generous side. And now we're right back to Absolutely. A, a main event that you've just looked at and thought, yep, every bit of you is a main eventer in waiting. Every bit of you is the, the pillar below the pillar, which that's the, kind of the most exciting tier in AEW, isn't it? When it was once Cody, Jericho, Moxley, I can't wait to see the pillars. Now it's become the pillars. So all of us fickle fans 
you know, those guys. I want to watch. The, I want to watch the other pillars, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I apply that as well to Hobbs and Dante Martin, who I thought's interference was pitched perfectly in this yes. one. Never felt obtrusive. It never felt in the way. It was so cool and energetic, and then gone, and it was back to the match. Now, like I'm seeing a pattern of that in AW that I think is very, very pleasing. Whereas if you're going to get a bit of um, outside the ring fluff, it's not going to necessarily directly feed into the, the finish. That's a difference between those dynamites we were critical of. Yes, if you exactly. Pe- if you pepper that in in the start of the middle of the match, it just feels like, well, yeah, the friends would be there, but you get friends out the way believably and then you get on with the meat of the match and like, I love that too a really strong ending to a rampage of which I would say if it was on a, on this week's Dynamite in particular might have got lost so again from like a production standpoint for that live crowd I think they measured it perfectly absolutely and uh, before I forget as we wrap up uh, I want to give a nod to something that Sid actually mentioned on the Smackdown review because well we got fed up for talking about WWE <laughs> um, the bit in the break you may not have seen this with Ricky Starks getting fans at ringside to film him kicking the crap out of Jay Lethal. And they're like, I think their phone didn't work or something. Mm. I know the Brock Lesnar guy was there. And uh, yeah, he made a mug out of all of them, which is always entertaining yeah. for me. Good. Who's your least favorite infamous wrestling fan? Oh, man. Well, I'm assuming all of them listen to us. Yeah, so obviously. I don't want to be over... <laughs> so, right. My favorite is kid, kid with his mum. Kid like long haired guy with yeah, his mum. Yeah, nice. I'm a obviously is a bit of a lifer in this game. I'm a, I'm a bowl cut kid for life guy. Every time oh, you yeah. see, every time you see that screaming gurning mug on a midnight is paper, you're in for a good time. Vladimir. Are we getting the Vladimir documentary? It's it's the new Tom McGee tape. Honestly, Vladimir's. I don't like. I just I feel bad because I don't know him as a person. I've just made my mind up from three or four very prominent appearances. I thought you've got bad energy. Can we can we say at the same time? I think I'm going to say the same terms. Well, I got, be, before we do it, are we going to say? Are we going to say the club name first? Yes. One, two, three. three. Everton Everton's shirt guy. Yeah. Yes. I like. I, I get a real uneasy energy around him. And Kip Sabian, I think it was kissing him, is the greatest moment in the history of this sport. Was it in the Hangman Page match when he got right in his face and he just turned him? Him a little kiss, <laughs> and he was just he was rattled beyond belief. Like the fact that a lot of Kip Sabian on these shows as well, by the way, I've noticed the, they're, they're, they're sort of t- starting to lean on it a little bit more, shooting it from behind. And yeah, so you get the view of the but like, is that I don't know. Like, is it going to go anywhere? Is it good? Is it bad? I'm not sure. What do, what do you think of it? I, uh, I, I, my concern is that they could just forget about this, mm. and 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 it, arguably they haven't actually pr- actively promoted any of it. I don't know with these sorts of things because I don't know whether to commit to them because, and this isn't true enough about the performer. Do you remember when Leo Rush was somewhat about business? Yeah. Like, he bought Limited. A lot of people are a lot about stuff and then it just goes away, doesn't yeah. it? So, yeah. So I should be a wrestler. Do you know what I do quite like about it? I think it would be fun if, so say he becomes like, uh, he becomes outside the box, Kip Sabian, and that's his new gimmick. I mean, I've just. Outside the box like structure. We usually full term. Get it on the t shirt straight away. Like Kip Sabian, he's outside the box. Like, he comes back, and that's his whole deal now. And then one week, he's feuding with somebody, let's say, and, uh, like, Kip Sabian's back in the crowd. And uh, Penelope Ford's had a match, and she's like, Kip, I need your help. And the box comes off, and it's his rival. Uh-huh. And, you get, and you get the huge pop that you're like, he's, you've been sitting next to Kenny Omega all night, or whatever it is that <laughs> yeah, he's been yeah, feuding yeah. with. You've been sitting next to him all night, and it's been, it was his rival. And that's, like, it's a nice reveal in that. Yeah. What happens... Like, you want to get somebody over? You get them out of a box. Like, the, the old tried and true stuff. Doesn't matter the size of the box. Yeah, fair. 
Uh, right, well, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage this week on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. What I say, you can follow or both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Uh, at Michael Hamflit. More people engage with our AEW contents. This feels opportune to say, sponsor me for the Great North Front if you wish. There's a pinned tweet that's on my account. Loads of people that listen to us already have, and I'm immensely grateful. Um, but sponsor me, and I'll be even nicer about the product that you love the most and never be critical of it. That's, I mean, that's a lie. Sometimes I think Ada is rubbish. Uh, you can follow me at Adam Wilborn. I'm not doing anything for charity, but if you want to do like Venmo me five bucks, I'll take it. Uh, follow us all at What Culture WWE. Sound machine doesn't come cheap. Uh, Make a button just asking for cash. Just instead of your Twitter at the end, just start playing that. Can I have five? Well, seems like you're going to have to pay me for some more tweets. <laughs> Honestly, I'm still annoyed that I could, don't get to be able to charge people to look at my tweets. Remember my Aesop Get the Fables tweet? I have done some stupid, stupid stuff in my life. But leaning on a fatherly instinct of mine and really patting you on the back for that is maybe the stupidest. Hey, Wilborn, great tweet earlier on. I could put those words back in my mouth because <laughs> I feel partly responsible for this and this, this thing that hits our office sometimes. Walking down a corridor. Get the fables! Oh, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. You get it, because it's like the... the <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I see what you've done there. Oh, now I get it. Now I get it. I just thought it was a Dudley's joke. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> we, you did. know what it is? You know, It's the scorpion that kills the snake, isn't it? It's very literally one of his fables. Yeah. I've been stung by the scorpion. Like, you should have said, like, I'm a, I'm a scorpion. You know I also like the fact when I was younger and there was the they're talking about the race mm. and they were like, Oh, it's ridiculous. How would the hair get so distracted? He's got, he's number one. How's he getting distracted and, and letting the ball drop? And then I think, Oh yeah, I'm the hair. These nuts. Uh, and <laughs> and that's, that's how the tortoise passes me. Don't know which oh. other podcast is the tortoise, but someone needs to stop me. One more safe reward season. <laughs> Clip it. Put it in the file. Put it in the... Egg! <laughs> I don't know what's going on. What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from for daily wrestling podcast. Uh, the SmackDown review is already available. We'll be back later on with the Monday Now Row preview as well. But for now, this has been the Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.